Let's join uh, join together, church. Would you pray with me as we prepare ourselves to jump into the Word of God this morning? God, we are so thankful for God for Your Word, for the way that You speak to us, and uh, Your Holy Spirit lives in us and dwells in us, and and gives us the ability. Uh, to understand and to hear from you this morning. So God, we pray that uh, as we study this story from Luke chapter 1, God, we pray that you would speak. God, that that your word would resonate in our hearts in a way that we would understand uh, how you want us to respond when uh, when when you ask us to do things in the same way that Mary responded. So uh, God, soften our hearts. Give us uh, prepared hearts to be able to hear from you this morning as we study together. Uh, it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, uh, we are going to uh, pick up the story from uh, where we kind of left off last week. So if you watched our service last week, uh, we looked at the story of Zechariah. And Zechariah and Elizabeth uh, were uh, old and God... Uh, had not given them a child, even though they, they probably wanted one for uh, year after year after year of them being married. And finally, in their old age, uh, God sends his angel Gabriel to let Zechariah know that they are going to have a son. And so that was what we looked at last week, a great passage. And uh, this week, we're going to look at another passage. Uh, there's another baby that's being born. There's another announcement where Gabriel comes back again a few months later and has news to share, this time not with a, an old man, uh, that an old man and his wife are going to have a baby, but this time to a young girl uh, in the area of Galilee. So uh, the story this week uh, begins in the town of Nazareth. And Nazareth was a small and likely overlooked town. There wasn't really much uh, good to offer. Uh, Nazareth wasn't noteworthy for much of anything uh, the straight-talking Nathaniel, uh, the disciple, uh, later on in the Gospels, uh, would actually comment about Nazareth uh, when he said in John chapter 1, verse 46, Nazareth, can anything good come from Nazareth? So uh, he implied that it was kind of a, a, a miserable, terrible town that uh, not many people wanted to go to or be known as coming from. But uh, by consensus, Nazareth wasn't really something that uh, we would choose as the home for the Messiah. But nevertheless, here comes the news. So uh, by contrast, last week we looked at uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth at the end of their long lives uh, being promised a child. And uh, here this week, we're going to look at uh, a young girl, Mary, and uh, who is engaged to uh, her fiancé, Joseph, and they are just at the very start of their lives together. Uh, they are preparing to be married. And as they are uh, looking forward to being married, uh, this incredible news comes from heaven. And Mary's world is about to be turned upside down in these verses that we're going to look at this morning. Uh, what we see in the contrast between these two stories, uh, Zechariah was in the temple in the main city of Jerusalem. Meanwhile, uh, little humble Mary is out just a, a simple girl in a town that uh, people wouldn't even want to go to or visit or stop in. Uh, we see in uh, the old and the young, we see in the middle of the city versus this small town, 
God can basically, he can do whatever he wants whenever he wants to do it. So uh, God uses who he wants and uh, God accomplishes exactly what he wants, when he feels like it, how he feels like it. So uh, in our world, uh, in our assessment, Mary probably wasn't a really special individual. She wasn't much to account for. Uh, she was too young to really know a whole lot of the world. She really didn't have any uh, significant influence in the world or she hadn't accomplished anything yet. Uh, according to uh, different sources that you can go back and look at, she was probably uh, somewhere around the age of, of maybe 12 to 14 years old. So uh, incredibly young girl. Uh, at most, she was a teenager. But as with all uh, poor peasant girls during that season. Uh, she was illiterate. She uh, was very limited in her knowledge of scripture, in her knowledge of uh, what the, the scriptures actually said. She wasn't able to study them for herself. But uh, basically what she knew of God was uh, what she had been taught in her uh, visits to the synagogue or in uh, traditions that had been passed down to her from family members or friends perhaps that were close to her. So uh, we're going to look at this story where uh, God announces to Mary that she is about to have her world turned upside down. And nine months later, nine months after this story on uh, what we celebrate as Christmas, uh, God was going to send this same surprising message to a group of humble shepherds that were, they were outcasts in society in the same way that uh, Mary was, was kind of uh, unknown or unappreciated. She, she really didn't have much to bring, and the shepherds really didn't have much to bring either. But uh, in Luke 2, in just a few uh, short verses, in a few weeks, we're going to look at the story about how the announcement is made to the shepherds as well. In Luke 2.14, it says, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. We're going to see this message of hope coming. We're going to see this message of the, the world is being turned upside down. God is sending the one, the, the one central person at the middle of history. The Messiah is coming. And whenever we consider the people that were involved in this story, uh, it seems like over and over and over again, whether it's talking about uh, the, the old priest, Zechariah, whether it's talking about the young girl, uh, Mary, that we're going to look at this week, whether it's looking at the uh, shepherds or uh, the place where Jesus would be born in a, a, a manger in a, a barn out in the middle of nowhere uh, in a small town of Bethlehem. Uh, we look at each of these places, each of these people, and I just think the words humble and simple and poor of spirit are the things that we see over and over and over again. As we study this announcement uh, that, that God makes to Mary uh, here this week, we realize a couple of things. The Lord comes to needy people. He comes to people who realize they can't do it on their own. They're, they're not anything special on their own. They acknowledge their weakness and uh, the message of Christmas is no different. So uh, this announcement that he is going to make through Gabriel to this young girl, Mary, uh, is about to turn her world upside down. So let's look together at the first little chunk of this. We're going to look at Gabriel's approach as he comes and confronts Mary in Luke 
chapter 1, verses 26 through 29. Read along together with me. Verse 26, it says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And in coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept wondering what kind of salutation it was. So as we look at this story, uh, the, the title that Mary has been given by some, the Blessed Virgin Mary, really is a fitting description for her. Uh, these uh, words of scripture tell us that she was in fact a virgin and uh, by her own testimony in Luke 1 48 uh, she says in the Magnificat from now on all generations will call me blessed so she uh, by her own account and certainly by my account by our account she was blessed in an incredible way uh, to have this opportunity to uh, be used by God, to have this opportunity to uh, carry God's son and to raise this son that was ultimately going to grow up to uh, save the world. So uh, just because some people out there, some religions, uh, Catholics being a primary example, uh, some people raise the Virgin Mary up to too high of a level that they uh, try to make her into something that she's not, we have to be careful of that, but we also have to be careful of not downplaying the role that Mary had. Mary was an uh, extraordinary young lady. Uh, she was a willing servant that whatever it was that God asked her to do, uh, as we're going to see as we continue to look at these verses, she uh, was humble and willing to do whatever God needed her to do. So uh, she is certainly uh, someone that we can look to as uh, an example, and she is certainly blessed in every sense of the word as uh, we consider how God used her to accomplish his purposes in the world. So as we look at this story, as we look at these verses, Mary doesn't necessarily understand the angel's greeting. It says in these verses that she was deeply troubled by it, that she was trying to, to figure out what kind of a greeting it was uh, as we look at verse 29. How could this little, simple, uh, young teenage girl uh, an unknown, simple girl, uh, be so described by God, as, as favored by God, as uh, blessed, as we're going to see. Uh, I don't know if uh, you ever feel this way, but uh, as I read these verses and as I just think about my own experience, uh, I think that uh, this feeling of unworthiness is healthy for Mary. I think it's healthy for us to to realize that we're not really anything special, that we're special because God chooses to use us. We're special because we are loved by God, but we're not uh, special people that are able to accomplish grand things all on our own. The only uh, power that Mary had uh, to, to change the world, like she ultimately did in uh, raising Jesus, uh, was in the work that God was going to do in her and through her. And in the same way, uh, you and I have to remember the only way that we are going to make a difference in the world, the only way that we are going to be uh, significant or powerful or meaningful in history is by allowing God to use us the way that God wants to use us. So uh, we see this remarkable picture of this young and experienced and simple girl, Mary, while she wasn't a 
an extravagant girl, uh, she was special and she was blessed. And she was also, as we, excuse me, as we see in these verses, uh, she was reflective. She was meditative. It says in these uh, verses here that uh, she paused and, and meditated on uh, what God was doing, that she uh, considered and pondered these things in her heart. Uh, those of us who experience the coming of the Messiah, the coming of Jesus, uh, her posture of contemplation, her posture of uh, considering, God, what is it that you are doing? And uh, her willingness to, to slow down and allow her heart and her mind to, to comprehend and to understand what God was doing is an important lesson for us to learn as well. We so often busy our lives and uh, make things, make our day so crowded full of stuff that uh, I think the discipline of slowing down and pondering what these things mean uh, in our lives when we are going through a difficult situation, when we are uh, reading the word and, and allowing God to speak to us, it's important for us to slow down and uh, consider what God is trying to, to truly teach us. Uh, this posture that we see in Mary, where she, uh, as it says in these verses, she uh, pondered what kind of salutation this was. Let's slow down and, and look for opportunities to uh, consider and to weigh what God is doing, uh, what the words of God can truly mean in our lives as well. Let's look now at verses 30 through 34 as we see Gabriel's announcement. Starting in verse 30, it says, The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call him Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I am a virgin? Mary was told that she was going to have a baby boy. She was commanded that uh, she was supposed to name the child Jesus. This had to ring out in her ears as a moment that she would never forget. It's doubtful that she truly fully understood at this point uh, when she was just told that she was going to have a baby, uh, what that fully meant, what that fully uh, implied for her. Jesus was a fairly common name uh, that meant Savior, but she could have hardly uh, grasped in that moment all of the impact of what this angel was telling her. However, as Gabriel continued in his announcement, uh, he says in verse 32 that uh, he, the child, will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The impact of these words had to be staggering for Mary because uh, in those words, uh, Gabriel leaves no doubt this baby that you are going to, to bear is the Son of God. He is the promised one that the people of Israel have been waiting for. She understood the gist of the angel's announcement. Uh, he told her, you're going to, to become pregnant. You're going to name your child Salvation or the Savior. He's going to be the Son of God, and he will be the one who has come, the, the Messiah who is coming to save his people. What an incredible and overwhelming 30 seconds uh, that must have been for Mary. What an incredible moment that 
she surely uh, can look back on and ponder and remember for the rest of her life how God worked supernaturally in her and, and revealed that in this special moment. So we see in verse 34 now, Mary's response to all of this. As we read these verses, I can't help but uh, see a little bit of a comparison. It, it sounds very similar to the way that Zechariah responded last week. And while Mary's words sound a lot like Zechariah when she replies in verse 34, the, the one difference that's important for us to note is uh, apparently there's no unbelief in her question. She's not asking uh, when she says back in verse 34, how can this be since I am a virgin? Virgin. She's not asking the angel if it's really going to happen. She's not asking, can God do this? She's not doubting it like Zechariah and, and trying to explain all of the reasons that this can't happen, that God's not going to be able to do uh, what the angel said he was going to do. Uh, what she's asking is, how is he going to do that? Uh, God, I, I'm, I'm a virgin. Uh, literally, uh, it's translated as, how can this be since I have not known a man? Uh, and uh, as, as those questions race through Mary's mind, as she is trying to understand all that this angel uh, is telling her, we, we don't see a rebuke from Gabriel in the same way that he rebuked Zechariah. That tells us that uh, her response was simply uh, a willingness to, to understand and to obey everything that God was going to do in her. Mary was not disbelieving. She was simply asking for uh, understanding. The question was not if God could do this, but simply, God, how are you going to do this? So we see in the following verses, Gabriel's explanation to that question. Verses 35 through 38. It says, The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bondslave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. We see here that the angel answered her question and responded by saying that the Holy Spirit would come upon her, that the power of the Most High would overshadow her, as it says in verse 35. So what is it that's being described here? Well, I, I think it's important for us to be very, very clear. Uh, this is certainly not a sexual union, as some people have tried to argue. This is not uh, God coming and, and and sexually putting a baby uh, into Mary. Nothing so crude is suggested here, uh, but the leading scholars agree that that's not what's going on here. So this word overshadow uh, truly gives us a good understanding, a good picture of what this idea is, what is going on here. Uh, in the Greek Old Testament, uh, this word that's used, the, the word overshadow, is used to describe God's presence in the tabernacle, is used to describe God's presence in his sanctuary, that he overshadowed uh, the temple. And in the New Testament, uh, we see this same word, overshadow, 
describing uh, God's presence at the Mount of Transfiguration, where uh, the cloud of glory comes down over Jesus and uh, those few disciples that were able to see uh, Jesus in all of his glory uh, with those uh, those witnesses, uh, Moses and Elijah there with him. So we see this word overshadow simply means the, the, the power, the revealing of God in a moment. And so uh, Gabriel's announcement is there to say, uh, God is going to supernaturally put this baby inside of you, Mary. And with Gabriel's announcement complete, he also uh, gives her a bit of reassurance. And God is so gracious to do this for us sometimes, isn't he? Uh, He leaves Mary with a sign as she's sitting here uh, amazed by all of this news that she's being told. Uh, He tells her, even Elizabeth, your relative, is also going to have a child. I I know that she has been uh, barren for all these years. I know that she is old, but uh, she is now in her sixth month. Uh, She's going to have a baby as well. Uh, Elizabeth's miraculous pregnancy had been hidden from Mary uh, for this last six months as Elizabeth had uh, lived in seclusion. And uh, this amazing news about Elizabeth also being pregnant was just a a gracious gift from God that uh, he gives Mary this this little tidbit of affirmation, this little uh, piece of support for her as she is beginning this incredible and overwhelming journey of carrying the Son of God. Uh, I believe that uh, Elizabeth being pregnant at that same time, uh, Mary knowing that Elizabeth wasn't able to have kids up to that point and that God had given her a child and uh, that she would be able to go and, as we're going to look at next week, uh, she's going to be able to go and visit with her relative Elizabeth. I believe it proved to be an incredible help uh, for this young girl, Mary. Finally, uh, we look in verse 37, we see Gabriel's parting words uh, that he says uh, simply and and clearly for for Mary and for us to understand. He says, for nothing is impossible with God. Literally uh, translated, that verse is, uh, for not impossible will be every word with God. Every single word of this prophecy, every single thing that I have told you, Mary, it's going to come true. God is going to accomplish everything that I have said. And uh, this uh, way that it was stated, uh, it's a cool little connection that we can look back and see because uh, these same words, for nothing is impossible with God, uh, it alludes to uh, the Lord's words when barren Sarah, Abraham and Sarah, Uh, were told and confirmed that she was going to bear a son, Isaac, in her old age in Genesis chapter 18. Uh, God always fulfills his word. God is always capable of coming through and and fulfilling his promises. Nothing is too hard for him. Nothing is impossible with God. So uh, we see here in uh, this announcement, this revelation that uh, Gabriel has brought to Mary, a really important truth for us to understand and try to grasp as best as we can, because I know this is incredibly confusing and can be overwhelming for us if we really try to to fully wrap our minds around it. But uh, because uh, God came and uh, placed his son in Mary, 
we believe and we know uh, with certainty that Jesus was both fully God, uh, fully the Son of God, that he was always existent before time ever began. He has always been, but he was also fully man. As fully God and fully man, Jesus is the perfect Savior. He is uh, uniquely equipped to uh, play the one role in the history of humanity that no one else has been equipped to play. See, he needed to be uh, God in order to provide the perfect righteousness, the perfect fulfillment of God's law that that no human could ever meet up to or or achieve. Uh, But he also needed to be fully man in order to uh, provide God with the sacrifice, the the, the penalty payment of of death. The Bible tells us that sin deserves punishment, that sin deserves death. And uh, if Jesus was not fully human, was not uh, born as a child, born as a baby in the same way uh, that every other human is born, that if he was not fully man, uh, that sacrifice would, could not have happened. So uh, Jesus became the unique mediator, the one to stand as fully God with one hand in heaven and fully man reaching into humanity to offer that sacrifice And this whole idea, if you ever want to make your brain hurt, just go try to figure out. Uh, They have a big name for this called the hypostatic union. It's the the theology word for describing the fact that Jesus was completely God and completely man in one person. But if you ever want to make your brain hurt, uh, just go try to figure that one out. And uh, if you ever want to try to figure that out, there are thousands and thousands of pages written on it and Uh, It still uh, is a mystery beyond my understanding how someone can be uh, fully, completely God and fully, completely man at the same time. But uh, Jesus was, and this is an essential idea, but we see that here when uh, God says that he is going to send his son, that he's going to overshadow Mary and that Mary will conceive and bear a child. What we see here, one thing that I want to kind of finish our time with is Mary's faith. We see in verse 38, uh, Mary's response, she says, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And at that, the angel departed from her. What she says, her response uh, shows a incredible amount of simple faith from this young girl. Uh, Mary's uh, response is contrasted to Zechariah's response that we saw last week. Zechariah, he he stumbled in unbelief. He started to ask questions of, well, are, are you sure that this is going to happen? And he tries to explain to God why God can't do the thing that he says that he's going to do. Meanwhile, Mary simply yields in faith. She simply believes and understands that God is going to do in her whatever God wants to do in her. Mary's response in this moment, in this revelation, reveals a great deal about her character. In verse 38, when she says, let it be unto me as you have said, uh, this was not just a a simple, flippant, yeah, sure, okay, whatever, sounds good. Uh, Mary knows that this is going to be a a life-changing sentence for her. Uh, 
while this is an incredible opportunity, an incredible blessing, it was also going to have some very practical uh, ramifications for her life. It was going to change her life that even Jesus as a man is described as that illegitimate child because uh, Mary uh, had a baby before she was married to Joseph. So uh, this stigma was going to stick with Mary for uh, the rest of her life. And uh, in all of that, uh, Mary knows uh, the, the seriousness, the weight of what she's agreeing to and signing up to. But her response uh, simply is uh, she knows that she is God's servant and she will allow God to do whatever God wants to do in her life. Uh, the, the response that she has here, let it be unto me as you have said, uh, it reminds me of a lot of other willing servants that have uh, responded in similar ways in the Bible. She sounds an awful lot like Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6 when he says, here I am, send me. She sounds a lot like uh, Esther in Esther chapter 4 when uh, her response was simply, if I perish, I perish. Uh, she was going to do whatever it was uh, that God wanted her to do. Uh, she sounds an awful lot like uh, Ruth saying to Naomi in Ruth chapter 1, your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Uh, the, the willingness of Ruth to say to Naomi, no, no, I'm coming with you. I'm going to do what God has called me to do. It brings to mind the story of Job. That Job chapter 13, he responds and said, even if he kills me, I will still hope in him. Job's faith was not shaken by uh, the circumstances or the, the, the stuff that was going on around him. And in the same way as all of these people that have come before them, even in the same way that Jesus, uh, before he went to the cross in Luke 22, uh, Jesus is praying and he says, Father, not my will, but yours be done. That, in essence, is exactly what Mary is doing here in this same moment. She says, God, whatever it is that you have for me, not my will, but yours be done. This is how faithful servants of God, faithful people, respond to God's plan. When God reveals what he wants to do, even if we don't understand it, even if it doesn't make sense to us, even if it uh, is difficult, we respond in the same way that Mary responded. We should respond in the same way that Job responded or that Jesus responded as he was going to the cross or Isaiah or Esther or Ruth or any other of the number of examples that we can look to in Scripture. God is in control. And if we will submit ourselves to him and say, Father, not my will, but yours be done, uh, this picture that we see here of Mary and her submission uh, to God is an incredible uh, picture, an incredible example for us that we can follow after. So as we wrap all of this up, uh, just a couple of thoughts for you guys as we finish. Uh, we could, uh, without a doubt, uh, spend the rest of our lives searching uh, the, the literature of the world for a story as uh, beautiful and uh, simple as that of the Nativity and we may never find it. Uh, this story of Jesus's birth uh, is especially piercing. It's especially uh, special because it's true. And these events happen to real people in real places at, at real moments in history. 
It started for Jesus's mother, Mary, this Christmas story that we're going to be looking at. Uh, it feels weird having Christmas in April and May, uh, but we're going to be looking at these Christmas stories over the next several weeks. And uh, this Christmas story began for uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, with this announcement that we're looking at this morning. While uh, it uh, may feel like an overwhelming and incredible story, Mary is just beginning uh, this uh, overwhelming journey that she's going to go on over the course of bearing this child, of uh, raising this child, and ultimately having the opportunity to witness uh, her uh, physical human son uh, be the savior of the world, be the one who would uh, perform miracles, be the one who would uh, heal the sick and uh, raise people from the dead and ultimately uh, die and be raised from the dead himself as well. We see all of this incredible story in uh, the big picture of uh, Mary's, uh, the announcement that comes to Mary, uh, but we have to also realize the humble setting that Jesus's birth uh, comes into. Uh, I think this humble picture of uh, a simple girl in a small town, in the humblest of means. It also reveals to us a small picture of the character of God's heart. While I might have played out this story very differently, you may have chosen to play out this story very differently, uh, God's heart is uh, for those who are humble in spirit. Uh, even God's son, Jesus, as the king of Israel was born in a humble story like this. Spiritual greatness is not a matter of social class. It's not a matter of worldly power or success or fame or finances or anything else. Spiritual greatness is a matter of the heart. And God is able to use anyone from any background, from any uh, lifestyle, from any uh, place that they may be found in the world. Uh, God is able to use whoever he wants uh, if their heart is pure. If they uh, internally, uh, if they reflect the spirit of humility, the, the purity of heart that Mary shows here, uh, God is able to use uh, anyone that he chooses. I'm reminded of the words uh, back in the book of Samuel in the Old Testament that man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Uh, we see that so much here as we see uh, God choosing to use a simple, humble girl from a simple, humble town. Uh, external counts very little to God. Uh, credentials count very little uh, for God choosing who he's going to use. While man looks at the outside, the Lord looks at the heart. And Mary is a beautiful example of that. She's a beautiful example of how uh, we should be and how we should relate to God. She was humble and poor in spirit. She was not self-sufficient. She was not proud. She was not uh, someone who patted herself on the back and thought much of herself. Uh, but she simply uh, believed in God and regarded God's power as enough in her life. She may have wondered about the mechanics. She may have had some questions. She may have even uh, pondered and, and wondered what all of this could possibly mean. But we see in these verses that she was willing to do as she had been told to do. She didn't bring anything on her resume that made her seem like a worthy candidate, but her availability and her willingness to serve. 
God is simply looking for uh, people who are available, people who are willing to trust. And uh, I, I heard a preacher years ago say this. Uh, he said that God doesn't uh, call the equipped. He equips the called. And, and what that means for us practically is we don't have to check all the boxes. We don't have to have the perfect resume for God to be able to use us. What we do have to do uh, is we have to be willing to submit just like Mary was. And say, God, whatever it is that you want for me, God, I am willing to serve. And if we are simply uh, willing to serve him with a humble heart, with a submission, uh, like we see in this story, God is going to equip uh, the people that he calls. He's going to equip them to do incredible things in the world. As Mary said all of these things, uh, her conclusion was, God, whatever your will is, let it be. Just like Mary uh, we can't truly be servants of Christ. We can't truly be servants of God unless we accept his plan for our lives. And if he is Lord, if he, that, that word Lord, meaning king, meaning boss, meaning, meaning leader in our life, uh, if he is going to be Lord in our life, then that means that we, by definition, are servants we are humble servants who are simply there uh, to do whatever it is that he tells us. And uh, uh, my challenge for what God has been revealing to me this week uh, as I've been studying and my challenge for you as we talk about these verses this morning is, uh, God, uh, do we have this kind of faith that Mary had? Do we uh, trust the Lord in the same way that Mary did? Are we willing that whatever happens in life, even if we don't understand it, even if it seems scary, like, like Mary surely felt scared uh, hearing all of this news, even when the situation, the thing that God calls us to seems too big, seems to be too much, are we willing to respond in faith and say, God, whatever it is that you want for me, I am willing to do it. I am simply here to be your servant. You're the boss. I am just here to serve. Do we have that kind of faith in our life? If we do, great, because God is going to be able to use us to accomplish incredible things in the world. And if not, maybe that's our prayer this morning. Maybe that's our desire this morning, that, that God give us the ability, give us the faith to trust you completely in whatever it is that's going on in life. Even when life gets difficult, even when uh, you get laid off from your job, even when uh, things just seem like they're too much that you're not able to do it on your own, even in all of those moments, will you trust God? Will you, will you believe in the, in the depths of your soul that God is enough for you? If God is enough, if we respond with the same kind of faith that Mary had, if we can respond and say as she did in verse 38, Behold the bond slave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. God can use us to accomplish whatever God wants to accomplish. Would you guys pray with me now? God, we are so thankful for your word. God, I am so thankful that uh, you uh, graciously revealed your plan to uh, this simple young girl, Mary. And uh, God, she is such a, a, an incredible example to us. 
as a young girl uh, who, who didn't really have all of the answers in life, didn't have everything figured out, there was one thing that she did know. There was one thing that she did have figured out. And it's something that I still need to do better in my life. That was that she understood, God, that you're in control and that we can trust you with no doubts, with no fears, with no reservations. We can run full speed ahead into whatever it is that you have for us because, God, you are enough. God, you are always going to be enough. You are always going to be perfectly capable. You are more than powerful enough to accomplish your plan. God, you are uh, more than loving enough to make sure that you never call us to do something that's not uh, what would be ultimately best for us. God, help us to trust you in the way that Mary trusted you. God, help us to to, to surrender our desires, to surrender our uh, wants, and give everything to you. God, we offer ourselves, we offer our lives to you. And in the same way that Mary did, we say, God, use us, for we are your servants. God, we pray that we would be yours and that we would be used by you for whatever you want us to do. It's in Jesus' precious, perfect, beautiful, holy name that we pray. Amen.